The House and Senate are out of town this week for the Thanksgiving holiday. The House will return next Tuesday. The Senate will return next Monday. Last week in the House, the House came back on Monday and voted to pass two bills under suspension of the rules, then took up and passed a motion to refer HRES 863, a resolution to impeach DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, to committee. The motion to refer passed by a vote of 209 to 201, with eight Republicans crossing over to vote with 201 Democrats to pass the measure and sideline the impeachment resolution. On Tuesday, the House took up and passed the rule governing floor consideration of H.R. 5894, the Labor, HHS, Education, and Related Agencies Appropriations Act, or FY24. The rule passed on a straight party-line vote by a margin of 217 to 209. Then the House took up H.R. 5894, the Labor, HHS, Education, and Related Agencies Appropriations Act, and began considering amendments. The House considered 10 amendments. All of them failed. Then the House took a break from considering the Labor H. Approach Bill, as it's called, and took up H.R. 68, I'm sorry, H.R. 6363, the Further Continuing Appropriations and Other Extensions Act, under suspension of the rules, meaning it would take a two-thirds majority to pass it. It passed by a vote of 336 to 95, with 127 Republicans voting for it, and 93 voting against it, and 209 Democrats voting for it, and only two voting against it. We'll talk more about this in a moment. On Wednesday, the House took up H.R.S. 869, the rule governing floor consideration of H.R. 5893, the Commerce, Justice, Science, and Related Agencies Appropriations Act, and H.R. 5961, the No Funds for Iranian Terrorism Act. The rule failed by a vote of 198 to 225 because 19 Republicans, most of whom were conservatives, decided to use the vote to punish Speaker Mike Johnson for having relied on Democrat votes the previous day to pass a continuing resolution to keep the government open. So the House GOP leadership realized it didn't have the votes to pass the bill on the floor and decided to pull the bill from the floor and return to H.R. 5894, the Labor HHS Education and Related Agencies Appropriations Act for FY24. The House considered 15 amendments and agreed to three of them. Then the House GOP leadership realized it didn't have the votes to pass that bill either, so it pulled that bill too, and then they were done. Last week in the Senate, the Senate came back on Monday and voted to confirm Anna de Alba to be U.S. Circuit Judge for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. On Tuesday, the Senate voted to table a motion to proceed to H.R. 6126, a bill making emergency supplemental appropriations to respond to the attacks in Israel for the fiscal year ending September 30, 2024, and for other purposes. Rather than vote for or against the bill itself, Democrats offered a motion to table the bill, that is, to kill it without actually voting against it. The vote on the motion to table was 51 to 48. It was a straight party-line vote, with all 51 Democrats voting to kill the bill, and all Republicans except the absent South Carolina Senator Tim Scott voting to keep it alive. We'll talk more about this vote in a moment, too. On Wednesday, the Senate voted to reject S.J. Res. 43, a CRA resolution of disapproval overturning the rule submitted by the Department of Education relating to improving income-driven repayment for the William D. Ford Federal Direct Loan Program and the Federal Family Education Loan Program. 
The vote to reject the resolution of disapproval was 49 to 50. The vote was almost a straight party line vote. West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin crossed party lines to vote with the Republicans to overturn the Biden administration's latest attempt to wipe clean student loan debt by a sweep of its magic wand. Then the Senate took up H.R. 6363, the continuing resolution that had passed the House the previous day. There was a vote on an amendment first. Kentucky Republican Senator Rand Paul offered an amendment to reduce funding by 15 percent, except for the Department of Defense, Military Construction, and the Department of Veterans Affairs, and to rescind $30 billion from enforcement funds provided to the Internal Revenue Service. The amendment was rejected by a vote of 32 to 65. Then the Senate voted by 87 to 11 to pass H.R. 6363, the continuing resolution. Then the Senate voted by 90 to 8 to agree to a motion to insist on the Senate amendment to H.R. 2670, agree to the request for conference and authorizing the chair to appoint conferees on the National Defense Authorization Act. And then they were done. Now to the latest on the talented Mr. Santos. On Thursday of last week, the House Ethics Committee released its 56-page report on Congressman George Santos, and it was not good. The report concludes that there is substantial evidence that Santos violated federal criminal laws. The bipartisan and evenly balanced committee, the only committee in the House with an equal number of Democrats and Republicans on it, adopted the report by unanimous vote on Tuesday. Ethics Committee Chairman Michael Guest, Republican of Mississippi, filed a resolution on Friday calling for Santos to be expelled from the House. If adopted by the necessary two-thirds vote, that would make Santos only the sixth person ever to be expelled from the House of Representatives and the first to be expelled without having been convicted of a crime or having committed treason. I expect that Chairman Guest will move his resolution as a privileged resolution when the House returns from its Thanksgiving break, and I expect that Santos will be expelled if he does not resign before that vote. The January 6th footage has been released. On Friday, Speaker Johnson released the first 90 or so hours of the 40,000 hours of footage of the January 6th riot. By Saturday, Republican lawmakers, including Congressman Troy Nels of Texas, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, and Senator Mike Lee of Utah, were calling for an investigation of the now-defunct January 6th committee from the last Congress. The video is available on the website of the House Administration Committee, which previously reviewed the videotapes and authorized their release. You can find a link to it in this week's suggested reading. Now to Iran. The International Atomic Energy Agency, the IAEA, the United Nations Nuclear Watchdog Agency, last week released not one but two confidential reports that document Iran's growing accumulation of uranium enriched to 60% purity, which gives Iran enough enriched uranium to manufacture three nuclear weapons if Tehran decided to process the uranium further. Iran is now the only country in the world enriching uranium to the 60% purity level that does not have a declared nuclear weapons program. Now to Tuberville's hold on military promotions. On Tuesday of last week, 
The Senate Rules Committee voted to pass a temporary rule change that would allow the Senate to start confirming large groups of military promotions with just one vote. The resolution passed the committee on a nine to seven party line vote. Now that it's passed the committee, Majority Leader Schumer can schedule it for a floor vote. That vote on a motion to invoke cloture on a motion to proceed would require 60 votes to pass, so it won't pass unless at least nine Republicans decide to steamroll Alabama Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville, who has single-handedly held up hundreds of military promotions in protest against the Biden Defense Department's new policy of paying for service members and their dependents to travel out of state for abortions. On Wednesday evening and well into the early morning hours of Thursday, several Republican senators took to the floor of the Senate, as they had done two weeks earlier, to protest their colleague Senator Tuberville's prolonged holds on military promotions. Now to government spending. Last week saw Speaker Mike Johnson and his leadership team continue to struggle to pass appropriations bills. The week before, they put two bills on the floor and pulled them. Same thing happened last week. After spending valuable floor time on amendments, the leadership made the decision to pull both bills under consideration because the leadership was not sure it would succeed in passing the bills. This does not bode well. Appropriators bought themselves more time by passing a so-called laddered continuing resolution through both houses. The bill, which makes no significant cuts or policy changes, and simply extends funding at current levels for all government agencies and programs, will run out on January 19 for all programs and agencies regularly funded by four appropriations bills, energy and water, transportation, housing and urban development, military construction and veterans affairs, and agriculture, the FDA, and rural development. Government programs and agencies that are regularly funded by one of the other eight appropriations bills will be funded until February 2nd. The good news is it extends funding beyond Thanksgiving and Christmas and gets us almost three weeks into January before the funding expires. So there won't be any upcoming holiday pressure weighing on members as they consider funding bills. The bad news is it extends funding beyond Thanksgiving and Christmas, and that means that we're going to be at least a third of the way into the new fiscal year, still spending money as if Democrats controlled both houses of Congress. That's intolerable. Now to the other side of government spending, the emergency supplemental. There was only one little bit of movement on President Biden's request for $106 billion in emergency supplemental spending for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and the border. That was the Senate vote on the House supplemental spending bill that focused on Israel. The amazing thing about that vote was the politics of the situation. Earlier that day, leading Senate Democrats, including Senator Schumer, the majority leader, and as he proudly reminded everyone, the highest ranking Jew ever to serve in the U.S. government, They all attended and spoke at the March for Israel on the Washington Mall. Jenny Beth and I were there, and we heard Schumer pledge his support for Israel. So it was a bit jarring when Republicans found a way to move the bill that had passed the House with $14.5 billion in aid for Israel, and then every single Democrat lined up to vote to kill it. They voted to kill a bill with nothing but support for Israel inside it. That vote could come back to haunt them. Meanwhile, Republican senators reaffirmed their intent to extract border policy changes in exchange for support for Ukraine. 
Democrats are pushing back against it. But it's becoming increasingly clear that Ukraine will only get assistance from the 118th Congress if significant policy changes regarding our southern border are part of that package. Now to Donald Trump and the 14th Amendment. On Friday, Colorado Judge Sarah Wallace rejected an attempt to remove former President Trump from the Colorado primary ballot over the 14th Amendment. Though Judge Wallace agreed with the petitioners that Trump had, quote, incited the January 6th riot and had, therefore, engaged in what she called an insurrection, she also said that the wording of the 14th Amendment made clear that the authors of the amendment did not include the president and the vice president under the covered officers whose actions could have them removed from office. Colorado joins New Hampshire, Minnesota, and Michigan as states that have dealt with the anti-Trump efforts to remove him from the ballot. And that's our Washington Report for this week.